1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team
1: every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can find him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how you doing today, sir? you know we uh, we got this little mini camp and then
0: uh, the 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 long desert as i keep referring to <laughs> that we're all going to have to go find what's on our dvrs or what's on netflix that we've been saving throughout the the, the long period of, of football talk and, and and find a way to you know
1: slumber huddle in for the last month before we finally get training right, camp. Right it's a, news. it's about 5 to 6 weeks. That's not too bad. We can handle yeah. that.
0: No. Nah, it's not
1: bad. This this is the time in the offseason that saves relationships. Uh, my girlfriend is so excited <laughs> for the next five weeks. And then, then we get into the grind of it. So uh, coming up on today's show, we are talking about skill positions in the NFL, uh, how they may be changing in the next couple seasons, what the Cowboys are doing about it. And I want to talk a little bit about Tavon Austin. But before we do that, you had an interesting tweet today. One singular interesting tweet. Um, And I wanted to expand on that. So uh, I will read you the tweet. I'll read you your tweet, um, and then I'll let you go. So uh, you tweeted that we are very much in the middle of a transformation of how the skill positions or skill players, excuse me, are viewed and deployed. Dallas appears to be reacting to that. Lanny, can you go ahead and explain what that tweet means? It's, it makes it sound so much more important when people read your tweets back to you, doesn't it? <laughs> it
0: does. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, listen, I, I don't want to claim to be the first person to be saying this by any stretch of the imagination because I'm not. But, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of really good, uh, a, a well-known football NFL thinkers have been talking about this for a little while. And I feel like especially the last two or three years, it's really, really started to come into uh into play and 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 despite really what we uh, you know what we may think about the Eagles I feel like the Eagles kind of uh, show that a little bit too you know that that's kind of a
1: part of their offense I think It really started with the Patriots though correct I mean that that's really the one that when I think of this kind of positionless football that I think of the Patriots
0: Well I think the idea of yeah I mean I think the idea of reducing the receiving core down to um, you know, uh, you know the, the the skills that it does well. And then deploying those individuals out in uh, in a in combination to create something, you know. Like I I think what they do, what what the Patriots always did well is they took players who had a dominant trait or uh, a couple of dominant traits and and were able to kind of piece together individual players with their dominant traits so that it was complementary without you know having to worry about uh, needing them to do the aspects of their game that they were not good at, you know. And I think that that's kind of partially what we're seeing is that teams are are, are moving away from having to go f- try to find the guy. You know, I mean it's it's a it's a difficult. The problem is is that for the NFL player, for NFL scouts, it's a difficult uh, uh, needle to thread. You know, you, you have to find a guy who is uh, big, strong. Fast uh, ran routes in college, and if he didn't run, run routes in college, you're gonna have to teach him how to run routes in in, in the NFL, and, and and not just like the simple basic route tree, but some of the more advanced routes. Uh, and, and as you start to, uh, you know, further and further filter out these guys because they don't meet these these requirements, you start to realize that this is really a fool's errand. You know, I mean, think about like the idea that if the Cowboys had to replace Des Bryant with another Des Bryant. Like they if if that was what was required in order for their offense to move. You know, th- that's a, an almost unrealistic task. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, just because you y- you can't to find someone who's physically, you know, y- y- in that level to be a dominant player that can do, uh, do what we've what we ask of that play, of that player at that position is is difficult enough, and then to find somebody who is seasoned and trained well enough to actually function in the position is a whole other you know gambit that they have to run. So I think what we see now is that the NFL has moved away from um, you know only using these kind of physically dominant freak of nature players and, and, and moved towards a more reasonable, like, Hey, I need guys who are crafty route runners who are going to be where they're supposed to be when I need them. And then I'm going to allow my scheme and, 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 uh, uh, a quarterback that can get through progressions quickly to be the, the, you know, equalizing factor. You know, you can't cover every single player on on every single play, but at the same time, you also can't exploit them not being able to cover every single player and every single play, unless you have a quarterback who can get through all the reads and and is it is you know able and, and willing to look across the field to see who is the open player, as opposed to focusing in on a guy that you're trying to force feed the ball, no matter how many targets you have to throw at him. Uh, it, it's just it's it it ultimately becomes about efficiency. Sure. And and I think that that's that's what it, you know teams are figuring out is that. They would rather have an efficient offense that is run by a, a, a group of craftsmen who know what they're doing in their routes in order to get open as get whatever separation they can out of their physical skill set as opposed to trying to take a mold of uh, a ball of clay and especially in, in the in the way that the CBA is designed now where you just don't have the practice time that you used to and trying to mold that ball of clay into an NFL receiver it's just it hasn't worked out the way it, it has previously in the past. And I think that teams are trying this a different way. And I think it is uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, it's mirroring what is happening in college football in a lot of ways is, you know, and, 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 and a lot, and it's not surprising, but this is kind of the way things have been passed down, you know, through the ages, whether it's zone running or what uh, zone reads or, or any kind of you know, technology it's created uh, out of necessity out of out of a disadvantage by you know smaller schools trying to play bigger schools, and then once they've figured out that this is a schematic advantage, it, it spreads like wildfire
1: through college, and then eventually now it's making its way to the NFL. Yeah, we can take this a million different ways, but let's go ahead and kind of tie this back to the Cowboys. Um, as much as I love Dez... I don't think he was a great fit for Dak because I see Dak as kind of that point guard in a offense where he is going to, like you mentioned before, he is going to get through all the reads and he's going to get it to the open guy rather than trying to force the ball down the field to a a singular receiver. We saw that last year with Des. There was a lot of times where Dak kind of just threw YOLO balls down the field because he needed to get Des involved in the offense. I think I'm thinking back to 2016 when there was that three-game stretch when uh, Dez was hurt, and I remember at the time I was worried because I'm like, "Hey, they they don't have a number one receiver. This offense, how is it going to keep up?" And if you remember correctly, they played really well those three games. They won all three. They beat the Packers, um, and that was kind of you know that was Dak being that spread quarterback that we saw back at Mississippi State. So I actually think this style of offense does suit him better. Now, my question has always been do they have... Is their receiving core right now as is good enough to to run that style of offense? Do they have enough specialized type of receivers? We will see. But do you agree that this offense suits Dak better than what we saw in the last two years? Look, I, I mean...
0: I think a lot of people have been upset with me because of my reaction to all this and 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 obviously I have no issue with being generally painted with a with an optimistic brush I mean that that much is clearly true about me i I have an optimistic slant on things but but I, I mean I think people that know me you yourself included know that I have been watching all this unfold with with a certain amount of excitement because this is how I believe that they're going to be able to take the next step is that is because they, they need to move this offense more towards what Dak does. Well, any, everyone else can, can laugh off the Dak friendly thing and they can talk about how it's silly and it's 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 whatever. It's not silly, but at the same time, it's not, they, it's it's not. not silly because they're they're doing all these things to move the, to to move the offense in all these ways. And they can minimize you know how how much things are the same. And and may in, in a lot of certain ways, in the ten thousand foot view, things are the same. They're, they're still going to be a running attack. the 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 way things are different is how the passing game is going to be constructed. And if you don't think that the, that is different then just go look at the top two receivers whether whether by stats or not i'm telling you the top two guys that are on the list of who dak is going to be throwing the ball to in on any given play Dez and Witten, are no longer here yep so uh, you know like th- they clearly have made an effort to uh, change the way that the passing game attacks defenses and i think that what they've done is broaden the scope of it and broaden their ability because now they don't have to use Allen Hearns as the main focus of every passing attack, depending on who they play. They don't have to use, uh, you know, Deontay Thompson or 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 Cole Beasley as you know the 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 main focus of the passing attack, depending on who they're playing this week. They can change it week to week and game plan week to week depending on what is the the strengths and weaknesses of the defense they're playing. So, you know, I, I think all of that means. You know, everyone's screaming for creativity. How, you want creativity? You need to have a wide receiver core and a tight end core and a group of skill players that can allow that level of creativity. What you have now allows for that, and, uh, and
1: especially a player like, you know, Tavon Austin, who we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Tavon, because we talked a lot about the Cowboys passing game, uh, but I think there's going to be some changes in their rushing attack as well. Uh, not only do they have a new offensive line coach in Paul Alexander, the Cowboys went out and traded for Tavon Austin, and they are labeling him a running back. And I know I know, there's a lot of people that are questioning the move. They're laughing at Stephen Jones' comments about dozen to two dozen touches a game. I get that. But I think he can change the way the Cowboys run the ball, uh, and I think they can change the way that the NFL thinks about running the ball. If you watch college football um, on any given week – uh, especially in the Big 12, you will see that they run the ball in a variety of ways. And any more that you see, it's a lot of sideline to sideline runs. It's a lot of jet sweeps. It's a lot of the reverses. It's to get linebackers uh, moving out of the way so that when they do, you know, decide to run the ball up the middle, there's fewer defenders in the box. Uh, last year, the Cowboys had over 200 carries that came in the A gaps. I don't expect that to change too much this year uh, but what what that tells you is that defenses are pinching down. Uh, they are trying to stop the Cowboys ISO uh, inside attack. if the Cowboys can get any kind of speed on the outside, even if it's a you know a, a ghost, sweep, a jet sweep to at least get the linebackers hesitating, I think that's going to open up runs in the inside. So as much as people want to make fun of Tavon and what he's done in the NFL, I really do think you can find him a big role in the offense. Maybe it's not so much touches, but it's just his presence on the field that get linebackers guessing, they get him hesitating for just that half a step that opens up the middle of the field. I truly believe that Tavon might be the most important offensive player outside of Dak and Ezekiel Elliott because of just uh, just the impact that he could have on the game. So talk a little bit about Tavon and how you think he might fit into this offense. And again, Tavon, when he got acquired, to me, that
0: was not a surprise. I was immediately excited because I, I was anticipating that they still very much needed to have this guy on their offense. They still needed that constraint player. If, if you would go back and look at the 2016 tape, imagine if Lucky Whitehead oh had been a reliable, you know, hardworking, tough guy. Can you imagine how many more variations of the jet sweep or all the other different things? I'm sorry, I shouldn't say hardworking because he actually sounded like he worked hard. But if he had been level-headed, I guess, yeah, not is more what I Correct. said. But yeah, I, I you know, the, the, you know, everyone balks at this. At like, we didn't see exactly what Tavon Austin is going to be on, doing when he gets here in 2016 with Lucky Whitehead. Well, even in and 2015, we thought
1: as well. I mean, over the last—2015, uh, 2016, Lucky Whitehead averaged almost 10 yards a carry. I mean, that's—we know that role and, in Dallas. We know what it's going to be. And so, listen, and, and look,
0: you talked about the linebackers. To me— what the constraint? What the constraint really helps with, and linebackers for sure. It gives you that extra second inside the the a gap. It, it gives them. It makes them confused because someone's got to also, if it's not a run, someone's got to cover that guy in the flat too. That's the other thing to consider. But the other thing that it really does is that it plays havoc with backside defensive ends that are trying to pursue, especially in wide zone, because their job on wide zone is to crash down and chase the the running back and try to beat him to the hole and, 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 tackle him for a loss. And, and, and a lot of times those blocks, you know, basically they will leave them unblocked because they're running away from them. And and sometimes with, in the modern NFL, those guys are just such athletes. They can make the play anyways. What this does is that it makes that backside defensive end think twice about just crashing down inside because now you've got a guy running across your face going the other direction. So you have to pursue, you have to maintain uh, the the uh, the corner in order to you know prevent a, a reverse because your responsibility is also always reversing. So there's elements there. There's elements of what you can do with him once he's in the flat, even on a fake, you know. Um, on a fake uh, jet sweep or on the orbital reverse. I mean, look, I, I think that he's going to be – I think you're starting to see some of the Dallas Cowboys guys, uh, .com guys, they'll talk about how he's, he's going to be a uh, – a A line of scrimmage player, and I think that that's everyone's starting to catch on a little bit that the reason he's being called a running back is because you know he might line up in the running backs group. He probably he could take some traditional handoffs. That wouldn't
1: surprise me. He did that, which he's done as well. He's done that in the past. And And actually, uh, if you go back to his film at West Virginia, that's really where he was the best at. When you just gave him traditional running back carries he thrived in that. So I wouldn't be opposed if they gave him, you know, two or three carries just out of traditional wide zone sets. I'm fine with that. He killed the Cowboys last year on three runs where they just handed the ball right off to him. So I'm fine with that. It was a wide zone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's the thing is that, you know, people this whole argument whether he's a running back or wide receiver infuriates me because who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, I just it don't doesn't care. Matter. He's 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 gonna be on the team. He's he's not gonna be a guy that is going to have a role that fits into either one of those categories. So you should not count on him as a backup for either one of those two spots. Really, you know, like so. I, I think he's his own guy who is gonna have his own specific role on this offense, and I think. You know, this whole argument of running back versus wide receiver is dumb because A, you're never gonna get an answer that's correct, by the way. B it doesn't matter. You we should be discussing the way he is deployed, not the you know, position that's listed next to his name. That's you know, that's stuff for the you know the NBC analyst on Sunday Night Football to talk about. Let's talk about football. You know, like I, I just think people want to. You know, the other thing, that, like I said, you said they want to laugh about the what Stephen Jones said about uh, the number of touches, blah 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 blah. I think the general point that was trying to be made is that this is going to be an extremely used, valuable piece on this offense, not just a you know, and other people have used this gadget and all this stuff. Uh, You know, Gadget implies that he's only going to get a few snaps a game. I think he's actually going to get quite a few snaps. I agree. You know, I think he's going to see quite a a bit of the field. So uh, this isn't a Gadget. This is a a built-in constraint for for what's already in the offense. And when you view it like that, when you view it as, hey – this is Zeke. Zeke is the the main part of our offense, and this is Tavon. He's the guy who's going to make you think about just going full on the direction of wherever Zeke's going, no matter how that takes form, whether it's a jet sweep, whether it's a pass, whether whatever, as long as you just think of it like that, that Tavon is the on-field constraint to Zeke Elliott, then the snap count, all the other stuff, the, the nonsense that people want to argue about, then it starts to make sense because then you start to say, hey, I get I get this guy going running the opposite way that Zeke's running. What is the defense supposed to do? I get this guy uh, running out for uh, a dump-off pass while everyone else is going deep and he catches the ball in space. What is the defense going to do? You know, I, 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 I fake a jet sweep. Uh, and uh, on a on a fake on a play action pass, and then dump it back over when no one thinks Tavon's getting the ball for a screen pass on the a back side of the field. What are they gonna do? Like that's those are the things that people need to be considering. Like how this guy, who is still an incredible player in space, uh, is is going to be deployed with the ball in his hands. And and I think that despite all the general hatred towards the Cowboys' offensive mindset, they've actually shown quite a bit of propensity in the recent and in the far past of being able to use these kind of players correctly.
1: I also want to talk about uh, Stephen Jones said that. Tavon could get, you know, a dozen carries a game. I think it's going to be really dependent on the game. So if they're going against a team, you know, that maybe is bigger inside and they're on the outside and they don't have the speed to, you know, to stop a Tavon and they're, you know, hellbent on setting or you know, on stopping Zeke in the middle of the field, it wouldn't be that surprising if, hey, every, you know, go sweep or jet sweep Dak just hands in the ball because the guys can't get to the outside. That wouldn't surprise me. It could be totally dependent on the game. Um, you know, I would love to see teams, you know, try to stop, you know, Tavon by spreading the defense out or getting, you know, smaller guys on the field because all that's going to do is open up Zeke in the middle. And we haven't even talked about what the Cowboys can do in the passing game with this. I mean, we've just talked about Zeke and Tavon. But you know, Dak also is an athletic guy. You can do a bunch of different stuff with him and his legs. You can run play triple option. You, you know, can run triple, triple option, option you, with
0: with with go, Tavon coming across left, and then Zeke going up the middle, and then uh, Dak is your run option uh, on the outside if you want to do all that. Or I mean, just pull like, it and throw so, it. There's I so mean, many different things. Yeah, and that's there's it, the, 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 he may not even get the ball and still in. in incredibly, exactly. incredibly have an incredible effect on the game. But that's the thing that, you know, the thing that's that's tough about this is that, you know, normally, you know, everyone's got their shtick, you know, whether you're a fantasy football talking guy, whether you're an X's and O's guy, whether you're just the Cowboys, you know, rumors guy. The problem with Tavon is that he doesn't really help any of those groups. No, absolutely. Because he's probably not a, he's probably not a great fantasy football guy because a lot of his value May be in like I said, constraint plays where he may not even get the ball. Yep. You know, like where he's where he's providing a better situation for a Zeke or for a Dak. You know, or or you know, and, and if when he does get the ball, it, it may be like he may catch it three times for seventy-five yards, and then they spend the rest of the game being terrified of him catching the ball, and that opens up uh, up a whole bunch of other things for everyone else. So. It's I think that you know the problem here is that you shouldn't you shouldn't draft him on your fantasy team because he's not going to give you uh, consistent pr- uh, production because I think that every game plan now is going to be unique to the team they're playing so he may get eight touches this week and zero touches the next week. So uh, I, I think that's what's made this a whole problematic thing is that you've got, you know, the, the Cowboys commentators who don't really understand X's and O's anyways, you know, or, or at least the kind of general commentator. So they don't have anything for Tavon Austin. You got all the fantasy football people who basically have no use for it because they've been burned by Tavon Austin for the last four years, and they don't really feel like that this is a situation where Tavon's going to help them. And I agree, like I wouldn't necessarily draft him, but for a Cowboys fan, who cares about like what's happening X's and O's wise? This is an exciting development because it shows that they're willing to make a piece like this a centerpiece of their offense, which means that they're they're looking for all kinds of different ways to free Zeke up and to uh, free up players that can uh, produce in space uh, in this offense uh, as a as a means to be a constraint to just a
1: traditional running game. Yeah. Tavon reminds me of like those great three pointers and the three point specialists in the NBA where they don't have to touch the ball to have an impact on the game. If they're opening up the floor and opening up spaces for guys to drive in and get to the hoop, they're having an impact on the game. And it might not show up in the box sheet or the box score, but uh, they are having an impact. I'm, I'm getting really excited about what Tavon could be in this offense, and how the Cowboys are going to use the combination of Dak's leg, Zeke's running ability, and Tavon's speed uh, all in unison to open up the offense. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank, hey,
0: r- real go real ahead. Qu- real no 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 real quick real quick I have to I have to because we have some breaking news. Go ahead. Uh, the Cowboys the Cowboys signed Zach Martin to a new six year extension. Just got announced right now. Uh, So, uh, congratulations to Dallas and to Zach Martin. Obviously, Zach is, uh, you know... We don't have time to get into Zach t- t- totally right now, but sure. obviously Zach Martin is very much the uh, epitome of what you want in the next generation of Dallas Cowboys, uh, so uh, I could not be more thrilled. I I love Zach Martin. You know I'm an offensive line guy, so this is a fantastic thing. It's not There wasn't a lot of surprise there, but congratulations to both those uh, guys, uh, the Cowboys and to Zach Martin, and uh, I'm thrilled about that.
1: And it sounds like it's a six-year deal, and we ha- we don't have the numbers on it yet, but Uh, I was hoping for a long-term deal for Zach, kind of like they did with Tyron because the longer that contract goes, probably the better and better it's going to look with the salary cap going up each and every year. So as of right now, I think the Cowboys have Tyron, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, and Collins all locked up until the 2021 season. Uh, So they're going to be sitting well. And then Connor Williams second round pick is going to be locked up until 2022. So, They shouldn't have to worry about paying any more of their offensive line for the next several years. Uh, It's an expensive group, but it's the best in football. So good news for the Cowboys. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper Faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. That's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCool Btb. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, And we will see you next time.
0: Hey, Prime members.